So I feel like like we're moving closer to talking more practically and more specifically about Shabbos and kind of uh, rounding third base and, and getting into some of the more practical uh, concepts that have to do with Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos, what the different, the different things that we do that many of us take for granted or many of us think that they're just like cultural issues, but to try to talk about some of the, the deeper inyanim behind um, things like cutting our nails, uh, cleaning the house, um, changing our clothing, showering, like all these kinds of things that we, we assume are just a means to an end, all of them have different meaning and different, different inyanim. And when, as we get closer to there, like I said, these are shiurim that people that are much, uh, much more articulate than me and much more knowledgeable than me have given. Um, and so we'll just add whatever little bit that we, that, that we can add to the discussion in our own, in our own way, using our own language to try to, um, make Shabbos come more alive and more meaningful and more specific to us. So the, it feels to me just in my own, in my own process in, in thinking these, these discussions through that we're getting closer to um, talking about now Hachana for Shabbos, preparing for Shabbos. And so everything up until now has been in certain ways trying to frame some kind of context to create a context for Shabbos. We talked about it very psychologically. Um, I want to talk more specifically now about Hachan al-Shabbos, preparing for Shabbos. And of course, to recognize the, the, the way we kind of started this whole thing, which is that Shabbos and the six days of the week have a very interconnected relationship. We prepare for Shabbos, we enter Shabbos, and at the same time, we leave Shabbos. I don't remember whose word it was who said that um, Havdalah is like making Kiddush on the six days of the week. We, we create Kiddush and Havdalah. They are like the gatekeepers of Shabbos. We enter Shabbos through really Kabbalah Shabbos, but through Kiddush. And we leave Shabbos through Avdallah. But the, it's, the whole week is, is, a, is an entire give and take, a, a, a coming and a leaving. Two Shabbos from Shabbos, two Shabbos from Shabbos, two Shabbos from Shabbos. They are not simply two different realities. Weekday, Shabbos, those are not two realities. That's one whole reality, one whole circle, one whole event. One of the ways that we talked about it was from the Arizal, that the Arizal brings down that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is like, kind of like going up the mountain towards Shabbos. You're like, you're, you're ascending towards Shabbos. Different layers of the neshama, the nefesh, ruach, neshama, whatever these things, concepts mean, we're starting to prepare our neshamas for Shabbos. And then after Shabbos, there's a descent where Shabbos is leaving us to some degree. We brought down, we brought down from the Pinchas Karitzer, who wouldn't travel on Sunday because he still felt that Shabbos was 
still kind of ringing in his ears. His body was still tingling with the, with the warmth of Shabbos. So he couldn't bring himself to travel on Sundays because he was still descending from Shabbos. And that descent takes place in, uh, until Tuesday night. And then, and then it starts again. The, the ascent toward Shabbos and the descent from Shabbos. Another way that it's brought down in the Svarim, the Reishas Chachma, he, he, he draws a little circle in the middle of a page. And then he's got like six spokes coming out of them. So it looks like a wheel. Shabbos is in the center. And the six days of the week surround Shabbos. They're all kind of growing out of Shabbos. Shabbos is the root and everything's growing out of Shabbos. And just like a tree where everything grows out from Shabbos, the six days of the week are also feeding in towards Shabbos, but that Shabbos is in the middle. It's in the middle, it's at the center, it's at the core, it's at the height, it's also at the depth. It's really, it's, it's everything, right? So to talk about Hachana for Shabbos, we had, to, we had to go through all of these kind of concepts to bring us to talking about Hachana. In order to talk about Hachana, we have to, in order to talk about preparing for Shabbos, we have to talk about Hachana, the concept of Hachana in general. This past week was the was the was the yard site of a big tzaddik who was known as Rablebla Eger. Rablebla Eger was a very very interesting uh, person because he grew up as the grandson of Rabbi Kiva Eger. His father's name was Rabshleima Eger. His father, as the story goes, when his son uh, met Chasidus and he became he, he entered into the world of Hasidah, so the, the story goes that his father, Shleim Eger, sat Shiva for him. It, the Eger the, the family was, su was such staunch misnagdim and such staunch um, uh, followers of the way of the Gra, of the Vilna Goyen, or Rukhaim Velazhin, that it was, it, was like a, it was like a tremendous scandal when, when Rukhaim Eger became Hasidish. He was a tremendous Talmud in his own right. But he came to the world of Kotsk. Kotsk was, if you've ever read anything from Nietzsche, Lahavdal, if, if you've ever read anything that was nihilistic, so the Kotsker was was the Jewish the Jewish Nietzsche. I, I mean, he believed in he believed in Hashem. Nietzsche didn't, but a, a real strong existentialist, a very very strong, almost like pessimist who really had zero tolerance for anything other than what he saw as being MS. And there's all kinds of stories of, of him um, not even lo losing his temper, but in a very cold and direct way, being very dismissive of lots of different people. That was the Kutzker. He was power. He was all energy. Not angry, but just very, very direct. But the, the Kutzker had a few Talmidim that turned out really to be almost the complete opposite, even though they, in their own right, said that they were um, kind of taking the Mahalik of Kutsk. But the Ishbitzer, Rablebel Eger, Abyitzchak Mavorka, these, these were people that were like kind of connected to the Kutsker, but they, their whole Mahalik was everything was sweet. Everything was sweet, the sweetest of the sweet. If you, if you read anything from Rebbe Lebel Eger Svarim, 
it's all poetic. It's all the beauty and the kedusha of Klal Yisrael, the kedusha of mitzvahs. Everything is is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. So his yard site was this past week. That was his yard site was Wednesday. Today was the yard site of his rebbe, the Kutzker. And tonight is my birthday. So it all it all rounds up. But the the Rebbeibel Eger writes a lot about the Indian of Hachana, writes a lot about the Indian of preparation. They say about him that his he was a moil, and that his his when he would do a bris, he would wake up early in the morning, he would run to the mikvah, he would spend the whole day davening, and they knew that they had to have the baby ready right before shkia, right before shkia, he'd very quickly do the bris and finished. And sometimes they were nervous that he wouldn't make it to Shkia because he would spend the whole day preparing himself to do a bris. Now he was a moil, which means that he did many brisim. But like many in the world, many tzaddikim in the world of Hasidus, it would take a long time. And I still still feel like there's more that I would want to learn about the Indian of Hachana. But they would, they would spend a tremendous amount of time in Hachana, in preparation. And in a certain way, the, 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 the mahalach of many is that hachana, a mitzvah is even more important than the mitzvah itself. The meditative preparation, the tshuva that would go into hachana, the getting ready for doing a mitzvah would in many ways be more important, not it's it's not to say that that they didn't actualize the mitzvah, but in a certain way, the hachana of the mitzvah is connected to the kavana of the mitzvah. Because a mitzvah, of course, as we know, has two parts. It has the it has the actualization of the mitzvah, and it has the meaning of the mitzvah, the kavana of the mitzvah. There's a klal that's found in this farm in many many places. It, Rav, Rav Cook talks about it. Rav Dessler talks about it. I don't think that there's a medrash like this. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, um, I, I don't think I. I don't know enough Gemara to know whether or not it's in the Gemara or not. But I don't think that I don't think this is in the Gemara. The, the Gemara talks about like Mishatarv be'erev Shabbos Yachol be'Shabbos. The Gemara talks about the importance of making hachana. But there's a klal e efshela avoda beloy. Hachana Kaduma. There's no, it's not possible to get to Avaida, to get to doing a mitzvah without Hachana, without preparation prior to it. You can't have Avaida without having preparation. Now, there's a few implications to that, from at least for me, right off the bat. The first implication of that is that when we approach Torah mitzvahs, and we think of a mitzvah as something that it's a ritual that we have to do, it's very easy for us to assume that mitzvahs are meant for us to accomplish. Hashem's here, we're here. He says do, we do. He says jump, we say how high. That's, that is one of the major ways that we are kind of expected. We assume that that means, that that's what it means to be an Ever Hashem. Hashem says do, and we do. Nasev we do, we jump. 
Everything else is kind of gravy compared to that. The Indian of Kavana, the Indian of Hachana, I'm sorry, the Indian of preparation is really a giloi, a revelation that there's no avoida. If you want to know what it means classically to, to be Makayim, to be an Ever Hashem, to be an Ever Hashem does not mean to be impulsive. To be an Ever Hashem, in fact, means the exact opposite. It's the ability to be making yourself, to prepare yourself, and to prepare, excuse me, to prepare yourself, but also to prepare the object of the mitzvah that you're going to do. All Avedas Hashem requires hachana. If you can't do hachana, obviously, it doesn't mean not to do the mitzvah. But what it means is all mitzvahs require hachana. The Gemara says, mitzvah striches kavana. Mitzvah, the Gemara, it's all machlaikas. Do mitzvahs need kavana or do mitzvahs need, not need kavana? So, there, so I forgot where I saw this. There's a machlaikas whether or not mitzvah striches kavana. But Hakolmaidim, everybody agrees, Shemitzvah Strichas Hachana, that mitzvahs require preparation. That seems to be a, a, a refrain. That's, it doesn't mean to say that that's, uh, that that's a halacha, but it means to say that in uh, understanding a hashkaf, of understanding what does it mean to be an Evan Hashem, what does it mean to serve Hashem, we have to know that it means that we have to engage in this thing called hachana, that we have to prepare. There's, we know that there's a concept of So I heard this from my Rabbi Ramatul Zilber, he explained, means, usually we assume it means that if, if, you, if you do something enough times without the right intention, do it enough times and the repetition will bring us to having the right intention. If you do something enough times, you'll get to the world of Lishma. Now, I mean, ask anyone that, that, that does anything out of repetition and ask them how much, how much more repetition brings you closer to having more intent. Um, and most of us would say that that's probably not true. If you do enough, if you do something enough times shaloi lishma, it's not going to necessarily bring us to lishma. So, so he explained as follows. He said to me once that there's a world called lishma. Lishma means that you have pure intention to connect to Hashem. Your connection to Hashem is pure. Lishma means l'shem Hashem for the for the name of Hashem. That means for the sake of Hashem, for the sake of being inextricably and obviously very healthily connected to Hashem. That's the world of Shalai Lishma. That's the world of Lishma, I'm sorry. The world of Shalai Lishma means that there are still parts of your own ego, there are still parts of your own considerations, parts of your own needs, parts of your own desires, your own yearning, that are connected to this act that you're doing. Or to say it on a lower level, so to speak, on a, on a more simplistic level, when you do something and at the same time you're doing it, you're kind of distracted. You're not 100% mindful. 
So you're, you're saying the words of davening, but you're also thinking about something else. You're giving stuck up, you're writing the checkout, you're, you're, you're dropping a few coins into someone's uh, uh, cup sitting on the street, but you're also talking on the phone. You're engaged in a mitzvah, but you're not fully present at the mitzvah. There are many, many dargas of what it means, Shalai Lishma. So he said to me that Metoich Shalai Lishma Balishma means sometimes in life, there's a way of getting to the world of, of Lishma. Some of us have the capacity to meditate and get to very high states of whether it's divine connection or it's a deep sense of being connected to Hashem. And then, and then we... We drop, we drop out of it. We kind of like fall back down and, and life kind of stinks after that. I remember there was a book once, I bought it just because of the title of the book. I couldn't get through it, but there's a, a, a meditation teacher named Jack Cornfield. And he wrote a book saying something like, after the, after the something, the laundry, after the high, the laundry, or something like that. And the idea being is like, you know, he, he, he the entire book, the premise of the book was, that he went around um, meeting all different kinds of spiritual gurus, meditators from India, Buddhists, Zen meditators, all kinds of people. And he wanted to know whether or not after their years of sustained meditation, whether or not their lives were any better than it was before. And what he discovered, which is not very much a chiddush to me, is that the meditation brought a tremendous amount of peace and a tremendous amount of, of comfort and a tremendous amount of healing. But in all the other areas of, that, of, of those people's lives, they had the same struggle as the rest of the population. So when you're meditating, when you're experiencing deep connection, when you're on a high, that's great. But what do you do after that? How do you bring that into your daily living where you're connected to something deeper and something more spiritual while you're doing the laundry. <clears throat> so he said to me that there's, well, he didn't talk to me about Jack Cornfield, but, but he, he, the point of what he was saying was, you could very easily, for some of us, you could very easily jump into the world of Lashma. You can experience connectedness to God, that's for sure. But you have to know that in, your, in, in what you've been brought into this world to do, sometimes you have to not go to the world of Lishma and only go to the world of Shalai Lishma. Because you can't get to the world of Lishma until you've passed through the world of Shalai Lishma. In other words, life has to work in layers. There are layers. And yes, it's true. Sometimes we need to fly. We need to fly into, into heaven, that's for sure. But even in our flying, we have to realize that there's, that there's a tremendous need to also walk up the rungs of the ladder, to bring a, a very old conversation that we've had. <clears throat> you have to know how to walk up the rungs of the ladder in order to get into heaven. It's not enough to be able to fly because if you don't have what's called the kalim, if you don't have the vessels to be able to maintain any kind of spiritual heightenedness, then the spiritual heightenedness will eventually destroy you. If you want to get to the world of Lishma, keep your eyeballs on the prize, baby. You'll get there. But don't forget that you also have to live in the world of Shalai Lishma. 
And so I'm going to take that conversation and bring that into our discussion. For us. The Gemara says that that Olam Hazeh, this world, is a prosdor Olam Haba, is a hallway to the to Olam Haba. And one of the many of many of us were raised to be to understand that this world doesn't mean anything. We live in this world for the sake of collecting paychecks in the next world. We pay our dues here. We make our investments here. This work, this world is for work. Adam la'amal yulad, a man is meant to work hard in this world. And we end up with, at the other end of this life, after we die and we pass into, into uh, the world of Olam Haba, then we'll receive joy. And if that's the case, a certain kind of pressure and anxiety to perform the best we can, or the opposite, a certain sense of hopelessness, depression, certain sense of lacking of meaning that exists in this world of Olam Hazeh. It's meaningless. Of course, the byproduct of that is if there's no meaning in, in my life during the six days of the week, if my life has no meaning, then I have to find meaning somewhere else. And so I'll do all kinds of other things that are quote-unquote not Jewish. I'm not talking about Averas. I mean our hashkafas hachayim becomes compartmentalized. If my whole life is just a prizder la'ilam haba, and that this world doesn't mean anything, then what that says to me is that all of religion, all of what I do, tariag mitzvahs, the mitzvahs I say, mitzvahs lais I say, all the minhagim, every little bit that I do in my life, all of that only exists to get me into ilam haba and to avoid hell. That's it. What do I do with my interest to have hobbies? What do I do with my need to express myself and be creative? My need to be productive and successful? What do I do with all of those things? So those things get kind of pushed off on the side. And I, I do that. I do that. And I make as much money as I can and I have whatever hobbies that I can. But I don't see in any way, shape or form that that's connected to my being Jewish. It's just another part of my life because being Jewish means that I'm only thinking about Olam Haba. I don't have to think about what goes on in Olam Hazet. And of course, that's a major mistake. Is another way of understanding Gullus and Geula. Gullus is the world of Shalai Lishma, Geula is the world of Lishma. The mundane reality of work, stress, difficulty, all of that stuff is part of the Yimei Hagalus. Or, for our intents and purposes, what we're talking about is the Yimei Hachol, is the days of the six days of the week of work work hard, have fragmented realities running from here to there, trying to maintain any kind of balance between what you need, what you want, what's demanded of you, what's expected of you, what bills you have to pay, what things you have to do, who wants what from you, what roles you play in life. You're, you're a sister, a daughter, you're a wife, you're, you're a this, you're that, you're, you're so many different things to so many different people that all want certain things from you and you all want from them. That's the world of the six days of the week. That's the world of Shalai Lishma. That's the world of Gullus. That's the world of what, what the Gemara calls the prizder, the hallway. And Shabbos 
is the day of Gula. The, the Gemara says that when, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be the day of Shabbos. Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shabbosin. In the, in, in the Svarim, it's, it's explained because it's, the, it's a day that comes from the world of Mashiach. It's completely Mashiachtic. It's the day that the Neshama is running the show, not the body. So if that's the case, what does it mean to prepare during the six days of the week for Shabbos? So we have to ask ourselves the question. The first question is, how much of my pre preparing for Shabbos is relegated to a Thursday afternoon and Friday, if that, because you got to quickly get ready to be Shabbos. And the other four or five, five and a half, six days of the week really have nothing to do with Shabbos. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, until Thursday afternoon when you kind of want to start to think about what your Shabbos plans are or whatever it is that you're doing in your life, whatever stage in life that you are, that you're starting to think about Shabbos, how much of the times that you're not thinking about Shabbos are you not preparing for Shabbos? Because essentially, if this world, if the world of Shalai Lishma, if the world of Golas is just a means to an end, but that in and of itself it has no meaning, it's just a means to an end, if that's the case, then the hachana for Shabbos, the preparation for Shabbos really is meaningless. It's just to get you there. It's just to get you there. So you have to have, um, you have to have soup on Shabbos, so you have to make soup for Shabbos. So if, in order to make soup for Shabbos, you have to have vegetables for Shabbos. So you go shopping to buy vegetables for Shabbos. That's the, that's the seeming, the Hanukkah pshuta, the, the kind of obvious way that we understand what it means to prepare for Shabbos. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to try to negate that. And what we're going to say is, of course, that that's not true. That's not the way we understand the six days of the week. That's not the way we understand the whole way. The whole way of Olam Hazeh that leads us to Shabbos, in and of itself, is also a place. And in and of itself is also an end, in and of itself. And that's, I think, the first real question that we need to kind of ask ourselves. And that is that the six days of the week, the world of Gullus, the world of fragmentation, the six days of the week, it's called, it's called the Meha Pirud, the, the days of fragmentation, of brokenness, of disconnection, of lots of misconnection. There's a reason to have that as well. And to some degree, we, we mentioned this before, that because Shabbos is the center of everything and everything has a bracha from Shabbos, and to quote the Lushan of, of the Zohar that we said yesterday, all the six days of the week receive the bracha from Shabbos, it means that the first thing we have to understand about the six days of the week, the first thing we have to understand about the Yemei HaGolas, about the Yemei HaBinyan of the six days of the week, of the, the days of Shaloi Lishma, is that they themselves, in and of itself, are also a reality unto itself. We can't go through the six days of the week and assume that they are only there as a way of preparing for Shabbos, and therefore that there's something less Kadosh about it. 
Adrav of Adrav, it's the exact opposite. The six days of the week receive a tremendous amount of Kedusha from Shabbos. And so in order to talk about a Hachana for Shabbos, we're going to start by talking about receiving from Shabbos so that we can, we can fully understand what that means. And we'll talk about this more at length when we get up to talking about Kabbalah Shabbos, receiving Shabbos. But just, just to begin this, this, this idea, <clears throat> a lot of what we talked about in, in some of the earlier discussions had to do with expectations. Expecting, demanding, yearning for, wanting, When Hashem created the world and he put Adam into the Eitz, into the into Gan Eden, and there was an Eitz Adas, Toivara, and there was an Eitz Achaim. And Hashem said to him, Don't eat, eat from the Eitz Achaim, don't eat from the Eitz Adas, Toivara. So, this is a very, very, very deep Indian. And I can't do it full, full justice for sure. But just in your name, to give us a taste. Of, of what 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 we're talking about here. Hashem said to Adam and Chava, don't eat from the Eitz Adas. Why? What was it about the Eitz Adas that Adam and Chava shouldn't eat from? So we're going to go with this Mahalach. We're, we're, what the, this is the, this is the way I'm going to we're going to we're going to approach it. From all the other trees of the forest. All the other trees in Gan Eden, they all received their Indian, their taste from the Eitzachayim. Eitzachayim means the, the tree of life, the nourishment that we receive from life. All the trees in Gan Eden had in it the Sharish of the Eitzachayim. The Eitzadas, Toivara, the, the site of the Eitzadas Taivara was, it was flavorful. It brought oinig. It brought pleasure. And so Hashem said, don't eat from the Eitzadas. I don't want you to experience pleasure. I want you to live right now in the world of the Eitzachayim. I want you to experience the pure clarity of the Eitzachayim. I want you to have the simple basic core reality of essence of being of the of the the neshama the core of life that's what i want you to have the eitzadas toivara das is a lushan of chibor of connection that's going to be that's that's about enjoyment that you're going to have on shabbos whether hashem actually told them you're going to have it on shabbos or not that's a good question but it was intended for shabbos I don't want you to eat from the Eitzadas. Now, Adam and Chava, the way that is explained in the Svarim, and if you want a, a, a much better explanation of this, listen to Rabbi Kiva Tatz. He, he explains this the best, the clearest, if, I mean, in his very sophisticated way, where he talks about the concept of an Avera Lishma, that Adam and Chava had no desire to eat from the Eitzadas. 
There was no impulse to eat from the Itzadas. They weren't seduced into eating from the Itzadas. Well, let's, let's clarify that. They didn't have an urge to eat from the Itzadas. What the Nachar said to them was, you, Adam and Chava, are on such a madrega that if you eat from the Eitzadas, you will have the capacity to desire. You will be able to desire. You don't have desire now. Your life is filled with Eitzachayim. Your life is filled completely with the essence of life. The Kusta Dichiyusa, that's the core little kernel of all of life that Hashem created the world with and that exists in all of us, the essence of being. In the world of being, you don't give, you don't receive, you don't desire, you don't have anything. It, it's a big mistake what Buddha tried to do by, by trying to uh, tell us that we shouldn't be attached to anything. But essentially what, he, what, what, what the, the idea is, you don't need anything in that place of the Eitzachayim, of the Neshama. What the Nachar said was, if you eat from the Eitzadas, you will bring desire into you, you will experience yearning, and if you experience yearning, that's the one thing that you and Chava, or you and Adam, the Nachar said to Chava, it's the one thing you and Adam don't have. You don't have the capacity to yearn. And so don't, so eat from the Eitzadas. And so Chava said, fine, if we eat from the Eitzadas, we could, we could bring Mashiach right away. Because the two of us are in such a high madrega that if we, if we can actually experience yearning, we can be masakin all yearning till the end of time. That's the cheshben of eating from the Eitz of doing an Averi Lishma. Hashem said don't. They decided that, the, that, that Hashem secretly wanted them to rebel. In and of itself, rebellion in and of itself is a way of individuation. Individuation in and of itself smells a little bit like desire. They have their own ratzon. They're starting to grow. They're starting to think. They're starting to individuate themselves from Hashem. If you individuate yourself from Hashem, then you have the capacity to come back and, to, and connect to them. And so the cheshvin was, if we ingest desire, if we, if we inject desire into man, and immediately we could run back, right back to Hashem, then we could be masakin desire. This midah called desire, we could be masakin it on the spot. And that will be the that will that will be the entire tikkun of the whole Briya Sa'ilam. And then everything will be in Ganadan. The whole world will be in Ganadan and everything will be fine. And of course that was a mistake. Of course that was a mistake. And immediately what happened was desire entered them. And what's the one thing that comes along with desire? Shame. <clears throat> Most of us don't want people to see that we desire or what we desire. And we spend an entire, uh, um, our entire lives kind of higher, hiding from the things we, we desire. Desire in and of itself comes with a certain amount of shame. And so, of course, Adam and Chava run and hide. That's the first thing that happens. And the story goes on. But just for ourselves to talk about. The Indian of Shabbos, it's the deepest, it's the deepest part of Shabbos, really. 
The Indian of Shabbos is the ability to, to experience Aineg, to experience delight, enjoyment, without any need or desire for it. It's the purest form of receiving. To receive without needing, without wanting, without desiring, that's the Mila that Shabbos has over the six days of the week. And that's really the first way we need to understand that the six days of the week receive a bracha from Shabbos. <clears throat> that the whole Indian of our lives is to learn to deal with our desires. Whatever those desires are, gluttony, laziness, lust, whatever, whatever the desire is, our job in life is to learn how to relate to our desires. We spoke this out a bunch of weeks ago, but just to say it uh, again clearly, the more I expect something to happen, the less I can appreciate the actual thing when it happens. If I expect to get a new iPhone, the more I expect to get the new iPhone, the less I can appreciate the new iPhone because I'm too busy, consumed with, I wanted it, I expected it, I planned for it, I got it. In other words, we have to kind of tease apart. If you want to know the difference between what's ego and what's appreciation, ego is the part of me that says, I want and I'm gratified. I want and I'm gratified. I want and I'm gratified. That's ego. Appreciation is the iPhone does this for me. The iPhone does this for me. The iPhone is good in this way. The iPhone is good in that way. An apple is sweet. A banana is sweet. Jalapeno potato chips burn and it feels good, etc., etc., etc. The ability to appreciate, and this is the formula, the ability to appreciate is in relation to the desire I have for it. The higher the desire, the lower the appreciation. The higher the expectation, the lower the appreciation. Because the more I desire, the more I need, the more I expect, the more I'm going to feel that what I've, that the gratification I'm going to experience is going to be about the fact that I desired and got it, as opposed to being able to appreciate that which I have. On Shabbos, we don't ask for things. On Shabbos, we, in our davening, we don't ask for things. Because Shabbos is a day of experiencing relationship with Hashem, of experiencing oineg, enjoyment, without the need for it, without the desire for it, without the expectation for it. Now, this is, we're talking about now the world of Lashma, right? We're not talking about, we're not necessarily talking about the details of our lives. I mean, I mean, if you enjoy a piece of chicken, you look forward to a piece of chicken. And if you enjoy the coziness of Shabbos, you look forward to the coziness of Shabbos. That's, that's part of the hachana of Shabbos. And, and, and when we finish talking about hachana of Shabbos, we'll see that the hachana for Shabbos is actually the ability to switch off the preparation in order to be in Shabbos. 
But if we're gonna if if we're if we're gonna do anything, if we're gonna understand anything about preparing for Shabbos, we have to talk about what, what we receive from Shabbos. And so then the first thing is to learn how to receive. I think it's a very underrated uh, problem in our society is the ability to appreciate, the ability to receive. Like hakar satayv, most people think hakar satayv means to thank or to express gratitude. It, it, that's not what it means. Hakar satayv means to appreciate something. To appreciate something means we 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 let go of all of the trappings that are that that surround it, all of the expectations, all of the needs, all of the yearning, all of the desire. If we're going to receive anything from Shabbos, it's a little bit, a little tiny little bit of appreciating Shabbos, appreciating the beauty of Shabbos, understanding obviously that it comes from a much, much higher madrega than what the six days of the week are about, but that the beauty of Shabbos holds me during the six days of the week. What Shabbos says to the, about the six days of the week is, no matter how far off the radar you go, no matter how far out of the reservation you go, you're always coming back to Shabbos. No matter how disconnected you are from Hashem, you're always, Hashem's still there all the time, no matter where you go. You can take Hashem with you to a bar, you can take Hashem with you to a club, you can take Hashem with you to the bottom of the pits of your despair. But Hashem is always there. To receive that message, to believe in that message, to ingest that message, to ingest it without the expectations of, oh, but I think this, but I think that, but I want that, but I need that. But if I, if I don't do well enough in my life, isn't that, a, isn't that a simon that I'm so far from Hashem? If I didn't do this well, isn't that a simon that I'm so far from Hashem? I have to claw, claw my way out of this bottom of the barrel-ish you know, place in hell in order to get back to Hashem, right? Don't I have to do that? And the answer is no, you don't. Receiving from Shabbos is the recognition that in order to prepare to get to the world of, of Lishma, in order to get to that place called Mashiach, that place where everything is perfect, I have to first learn how to receive. I have to learn how to receive, how to enjoy, how to eat the sweetness in things in life and appreciate something to its, to its fullest, the most that I can. And so if we're going to talk about preparing for Shabbos, we're going to start by talking about preparing for Shabbos with a recognition of the ability to receive. The ability to receive from Shabbos. To receive is to be vulnerable. It means to appreciate. I remember many years ago, I was, I think, 24 and I, I, it was Shal Shudas in the bungalow colony, and my Rebbe was there for Shabbos. And I, I was slated to say something, to say a Tyre there, Shal Shudas. There were, I don't know, 15 men sitting around the table. And every week somebody else said a Tyre, and I said a Tyre, and, and my Rebbe was there. And I was like, well, nervous about like, you know, I could barely cut my teeth on whatever I was learning. And I, he, there I was saying a Tyre. And I, I said a Tyre, and I'm sure Marebi had heard this before, but he sat there listening like everyone else. And when 
when it was over, he he said Shkoyach and he thanked me and he said to me something like I need I needed to hear that or something and and again, then that was it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what do you mean you need to take? You're like, you're, you're the one that I'm like aspiring to be like. You're the one who's my role model. You're the one who probably, uh, you know, like learned this a million times before. I just read this for the first time this morning. But what was clear to me in that moment was that he appreciated it. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with anything. It just, he appreciated the idea. He appreciated the thought. The ability to appreciate requires a tremendous amount of vulnerability. Shabbos is the ability to appreciate without the expectations and the need. And we'll, we'll, we'll Amir Tzashem, talk about that a lot more. But if we're going to talk about preparing for Shabbos, then we have to learn how to go through the six days of the week, learning to appreciate what the six days of the week are. It brings me back to the, 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 the full circle to understanding the hallway. The world of Shalai Lashma, the world of Olam Hazeh, <clears throat> yes, of course, it's, it leads me into Olam Haba, it leads me into Shabbos, of course, I know that. But the preparation for Shabbos cannot come at the expense of thinking that the six days of the week are only a means to an end. In fact, it's the exact other way around. The only way that I could use the six days of the week as a preparation for Shabbos is if I learn to appreciate the six days of the week for what they are. I learn how to appreciate the six days of the week. I learn how to appreciate life. I learn how to appreciate all the sweet things that I have, all the good things that I have. I learn how to appreciate not just the potential, but also the reality. And I learn how to do that through being able to be Mechabed Shabbos. I'm going to share one, one paragraph here. This comes from the, the Hakdama to the Sefer Yishrei Lev, one of the Biala Rebbes. And he says as follows, Uvechein, kasher ha-Shabbos kodesh hua nashama v'hachiyah shokol since Shabbos, is the soul and the life force for all the seventh the, the whole week. Ish hayari v'charad, a person who lives in fear of Hashem, which for our purposes we will say is an, is an enamored by Hashem and in awe of Hashem. Tzarechli zarem oyed has to be very careful. Af even during the whole day, the whole the whole week, the whole six days of the week. Not to be over on an Avera. We'll editorialize what he's saying for our, our purposes. It doesn't mean that a person has to, has to live with OCD. What it means is that a person should be cognizant of trying not to do negative things throughout the six days of the week to try not to be completely uh, hopeless during the six days of the week and throw everything off and live completely in oblivion because 
you know, during the six days of the week, it's very hard to feel connected to Hashem. It's very despondent sometimes because it just feels like life is completely overwhelming. And so it's very easy for us to, to sin, both in the world of Avera, but also in terms of just feeling like I'm completely off the reservation anyway. It's very important that a person should not allow themselves to follow the impulse of feeling like they're off the reservation in order not to be pogum in Shabbos Kaidish, in order not to be Machal Shabbos during, on a random Tuesday. And this is the, the reason that we were, we were commanded to remember Shabbos during the six days of the week. Don't think that preparing for Shabbos means that the six days of the week is just a means to an end. Shabbos reminds me that even during the six days of the week, my life is beautiful. My life is meaningful. I matter. My world matters. Everything about me matters. Everything that I do matters. All the stressors, all the difficulties, all the failures, all the challenges, all of those things can bring me to a place where I can think to myself, you know, I'm off the reservation. I'm really not, I'm really not a child of Hashem. I'm really not beautiful. I'm really not meaningful. I'm just, I'm just kind of lost in this like hazy place of what, what's called Ben Hashmashis. It's like Nishtehen, Nishtehen, I don't, I don't know where I am. To prepare for Shabbos means that I, I first recognize that I, I, I could receive from the beauty of Shabbos. The fruit of the Eitz Adas was meant to be eaten on Shabbos because Shabbos is the time when there's a tikkun, there's a, there's a, there's a fixing in, in, in a very cosmic sense. There's a fixing of the brokenness of the six days of the week. There's a fixing of the brokenness of desire and expectation and avera and impulses. There's a fixing of all of that. And so we slept from Shabbos into the six days of the week to remember even in those times when, when life is fragmented, we're still more beautiful than anything. And so that's what it means to keep Shabbos during the six days of the week, to drag that beauty, to drag that enjoyment into it. Demir Tzashem, next week and possibly the week after, although as we get closer to Purim, we'll have to see what we do, um, we're going to continue some of this discussion about what Hachan al-Shabbos means. And I think after that, we'll talk, we'll get into much, much more practical, um, but yet abstract uh, uh, ideas of what Arab Shabbos looks like. And that will lead us into Shabbos itself. So thank you everyone for, for joining and for listening.